Hello and welcome to the Self-Improvement Book Club with Rachel. Today's book is The Mountain Is You. And this book is about people that may have self-sabotaging tendencies and how to change that and recognize when you are self-sabotaging. So what is self-sabotage? It can be a coping mechanism that you use to meet a need or emotion that is being neglected. So essentially, it protects you, soothes the discomfort you're feeling from whatever you feel is being neglected. But like all coping mechanisms, self-sabotage only provides temporary relief and it doesn't truly fulfill whatever need is not being met. So your self-sabotage can take a lot of different forms, and I'm going to start by reviewing all of those with you. There are some specific behaviors and patterns that are typical of self-sabotage, and they usually relate to being aware that there's a problem in your life, and the first sign of self-sabotage is when we feel resistance. Resistance is what happens when we have maybe a task that we have to work on and we simply cannot bring ourselves to do it. It's when we get into a new relationship and then keep bailing on plans. It's also when we get a great idea, something brilliant, but yet when we sit down, we feel the tension and anger when it comes to actually getting the work done. So essentially, resistance is your way of slowing down and making sure that it's safe to get attached to something new or someone new. In other cases, it can also be a warning sign that something's not quite right and you need to step back and regroup. So what resistance isn't, it's not procrastination or indifference, and it shouldn't be treated the same way. When we are experiencing resistance, there's always a reason and we have to pay attention because if we try to force ourselves to perform in the face of resistance, it usually only gets worse and more intense and actually strengthens the internal conflict that is holding us back in the first place. And that internal conflict could be fear or some other thing that feels off in the situation. So what should you do if you feel resistance? Refocus. Get clear on what you want as well as why you want it. So we may have some beliefs that are preventing us from showing up for whatever we want to get done. There are actually several ways you can tell if you're stuck in a spiral of self-sabotage. Examples would be if you care more about appearing happy than actually being happy, or if you're scared of your feelings more than you're scared of anything else, like you're numbing and you don't want to feel, or if you are waiting for someone else to lift you out of your current situation and put you in a better one. Escaping the spiral is not easy, and the first step is to recognize these self-sabotaging acts for what they are, the coping mechanisms that feel good 
in the moment, but actually are holding you back in the long run. And hence the title of the book, You Are the Mountain. So these are the things that are in the way. Another self-sabotaging thing that you could do is hitting your upper limit. Your upper limit is essentially the amount of good that you're comfortable having in your life. It is your tolerance and threshold for having positive feelings or experiencing positive events. When you begin to surpass that upper limit of goodness, you start to subconsciously sabotage what's happening in order to bring yourself back to what's comfortable and familiar. So for instance, some people, this manifests physically in aches, pains, headaches, physical tension, and other people, it may come up as emotional resistance, anger, guilt, or fear. So when you do hit this limit of this is as much good as I'm allowed to have, it means you're approaching and surpassing a new level in your life that is first and foremost something to congratulate yourself for, not to self-sabotage for. One way to resolve an upper limit problem is to slowly acclimate yourself to your new normal. Instead of shocking yourself into big challenges, allow yourself to slowly adapt and adjust as you allow yourself to get into a new comfort zone that you want your life to be. And over time, this will now be your new baseline, your new normal. Another sign of self-sabotage is called uprooting. Uprooting happens when someone finds themselves jumping from relationship to relationship or changing everything in their business plan again and again. Hey, I need a new website. I need to look a certain way. They could be changing their own personality even. And this poses a challenge because in uprooting, you're not allowing yourself to blossom. You are only comfortable with the idea of sprouting. This could look like constantly needing a fresh start, which results in not having healthy ways to deal with stress and struggle and conflict. Uprooting can be a way to divert attention from the actual problems in your life. As attention goes towards reestablishing oneself in a new town or new job. So essentially you're shifting things around to not actually solve the real problem. And this is a pattern that you need to recognize in order to change it. Once you do see that you may be doing this, get clear on what you really want. Sometimes uprooting occurs because we step too quickly forward and we think we know what we want only to find out that we really didn't think it through. So essentially breaking free from the uprooting pattern is not about settling for something that you don't want, but sometimes it's staying where you are to really figure out what makes you uncomfortable, what you don't like about it so that you can get better clarity on what your path should be and what you really want. Another self-sabotaging behavior is letting fears or irrational worries get in the way. Oftentimes, we have to listen to what voices are coming up in our heads. Is it the voice of a great coach or someone we'd be inspired by? 
Or is it the voice of fear? And fear tells us the worst case scenario or all the things that could go wrong. And it's not necessarily the truth. But this fear keeps us stuck and we can't push past it when it's really loud and obnoxious in our heads. So are you able to recognize that, label it, and say, you know what, this may not be true. These things that fear is saying may not happen. Can you also hear the other voices in your head? The compassionate voices, the ones that say you can do it or things will turn out right. And can you distinguish this? Try to listen to those more nurturing voices if they're in there. And if not, start to cultivate them, grow them, and push past that fear. One big fear voice is the fear of failing. How often do we not even attempt something because we're afraid to look bad or fail immediately? There's a difference between failing because you're trying something new and daring and failing because you're not showing up or doing the work or being responsible for your own actions. So it may be scary, but you have to push past that fear of failure to get things that you want out of life. And failure is okay because it always teaches you something. So if it happens, learn from it and move on. Perfectionism is another thing that is a self-sabotaging machine. Why? Well, actually, perfectionism holds us back from showing up, trying, or really doing important work in our lives. Because we, again, are afraid of failing, failing, feeling vulnerable, not being good enough, not letting people see our imperfections that actually require us to do really good work. So if we just can't imagine getting something wrong, we're not going to try and that's going to hold us back even more. So instead of being perfect, focus on progress because as you try things and get better at them, over time, you do make progress. And if you recognize that, focus on that, then you won't need to be perfect. You just know that you're trying to get to your best self. We also self-sabotage when we judge others and personally, I think when we judge ourselves too harshly. Gossip can be something that people enjoy doing, but it's actually not super healthy. Because think about it this way, when we set up judgments for others, they become rules that we have to play by too. So by judging others for what we don't have or because we envy them, we sabotage our own lives. So judging others and judging ourselves go hand in hand because if we love ourselves, then we're more forgiving and understanding with others. And it can go the other way too. If we're more compassionate and understanding with others, we actually are more compassionate and understanding with ourselves. So practicing non-judgment or non-assumption, instead of harshly judging, reaching conclusions about someone else based on limited information or what someone else said about them, which isn't always true, by the way, then you're not seeing the whole picture and you don't know the whole story. 
So the bottom line is when you're more compassionate about people's lives, then you're more compassionate about your own. And when someone has something that you want, congratulate them. Be happy for them. It feels hard at first, but after a while, it feels really free. It's so freeing when you're just truly happy for other people, for what they get in life and their abundance and everything else. And then you're more open to receiving it in your own life. And we're moving on to another self-sabotaging behavior. Oh, one of the seven deadly sins, pride. And this is also known as ego. And when pride or ego get involved, many of us make our worst decisions. And sometimes we know a relationship is wrong, but the shame of leaving it seems worse than staying. So sometimes we start a business and we realize we don't really like it very much or refuse to accept that we need to change or ask for help. So these are when we get stuck in something that feels wrong and we want out, but we don't want to say, hey, I made a wrong decision and pride can get in the way. Therefore, we're making decisions based on how we imagine people view our lives, not how they actually are. And this is not only inaccurate, but unhealthy for us. So to overcome attachment to pride, we have to see ourselves as more whole and honestly look at our situation. Instead of thinking that we need to prove to everyone around us how perfect and flawless we are, we can look at ourselves in a realistic lens of people who have weaknesses and are trying our best. And in the end, it looks far worse to hold on to what's wrong because you care about what other people think than to let it go and find something that's right for you, something that is fitting for you. And people will respect you far more if you acknowledge you've made mistakes and that you're learning, adapting, and trying your best. This is really humble and a beautiful thing when people do it. So getting to this mindset is opening yourself up to being truthful with yourself, first of all, and being open to learning and not assuming that you know every little thing. And that you need to be perfect again. Like this goes back to perfectionism. When we admit we're wrong, we ask for assistance and we lean on other people sometimes. It's okay, I promise. So you, when you do that, you're opening yourself back up to growth. And in the long run, your life will be better. So once you recognize the self-sabotaging patterns that come from this book, you can then become your best self. This, again, is not a perfect self, but it is the best version of you. So instead of dwelling on things you don't want anymore, focus on things you want and the person you want to be. And really, you can do a lot of things to get to your best self. You can visualize what that would look like, who that would be, what would you be doing. Visualization is really powerful to train your unconscious subconscious mind to get to that place where you want to be. And you can start to ask yourself, what would your best self be doing right now? 
Maybe they're going to an art class or hanging out with a really close friend. So that doesn't mean imagine yourself with everything you've ever wanted or describing your ideal day or vacation. It could be little things like really enjoying your coffee or having close relationships that are truly meaningful to you. It means what would your best self be doing right now in your current situation? What steps would they be taking if they were in your shoes? And to find your best self, you also have to admit some of your weaknesses and outsource what you don't want to do or what you don't do well. And another clear message in this book is you have to be willing to be disliked because there's always someone out there who will judge and that's okay. Let them judge. Let them think what they want and you go keep being yourself. Okay. Do not forget that. You are special. You are unique. You keep doing you. And you'll have a plan to act with purpose because you are living your best life and you're your best version of yourself. So hopefully in this book, you may have, I mean, we've all self-sabotaged. I have picked up some patterns that I personally do and we all do them. So if you can recognize them, be aware, self-awareness is key and start to change slowly, obviously, and change those patterns so that you are living a life that's more aligned with what you want and who you are, then that is the goal. You know, making small steps to the west if you want to go west on the compass, and that's your perfect life. Even if you're doing small steps towards the direction you want to go, as long as you're going in the direction, you will get there. So keep learning, growing, and hopefully this this week's book helps. And keep reading. Until next week's Self-Improvement Book Club.